The Denver Broncos leave Seattle victorious as they go to 2-0 on the NFL preseason. Sarah and I, we recap the Broncos' 30-3 win. We talk about the quarterback competition after two weeks. Which quarterback had the better performance? And can we really make a decision right now, not to mention our Broncos news and notes, following the aftermath of the Seattle Seahawks game? We break it down on today's brand new episode, Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome back into a brand new episode of Lockdown Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast here on the Lockdown NFL Network, your team every day. From the South Stands to the End Zone, I'm your host as always, Cody Rourke, joined alongside our co-host, Sarah Bettinger. Both of us, we analyze the Broncos for the Lockdown NFL Network and 9 News. You can follow us on our Twitter handles as listed below at Cody Rourke NFL, at Sarah Bettinger. Make sure you follow the podcast on your favorite audio podcasting platform so you get daily Broncos news, content, and coverage all year long, Sarah, the Broncos leaving Seattle victorious and, and just look another dominating preseason effort. Yes, I know it's the preseason, but I tell you what, Sarah, they look good from start to finish in various aspects. Obviously, some areas they need to clean up, a couple of mishaps here and there, but for the most part, man, this Broncos football team so far this offseason in two games has displayed some good depth. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a lot of fun to watch that. You know, I think that that's something that. You can take for granted when you have a great team. It's like, man, that that depth on both sides of the ball, you know, really it does look really good. I mean, and and it's it's exciting because you know it's been a tough five years since the Super Bowl. It's been tough to watch this team kind of struggle its way back, do a little rebuilding. Even though we know John Elway would never call it that, he always you know reloading or whatever. So. I think it's great to see the fruit of just investing into that rebuild, you know, really, really just breaking things down and and getting back to the bare bones and redoing how they structure the draft, redoing how they scout players, redoing the types of players they prioritize. And it's all kind of coming to a point now where I think we're starting to see on-field results, which is really exciting. I would say the one thing I, I my takeaway after two preseason games, it just goes back to this coaching staff. And, and look, Sarah, I think that this Broncos team is very well coached right now. And we talked about this. Sometimes it could take a couple of years for a coaching staff to really implement their roots within to the culture. And based on everything from the first string to the second to the third string, fourth string guys – they seemed well coached. Now, yes, there's some mistakes that are going to happen in the game, but for the most part, this is a Broncos football team that put together a really complete total team effort. You know, a couple of mishaps on special teams we'll talk about. It, but let's talk about the offense here. Three of four in the red zone against the Seahawks. Now, granted, they didn't play any of their defensive starters. Zero turnovers. Now, look at that. We're talking about this. The only turnover the Broncos have had was a turnover on downs, a fourth down play <laughs> against the Minnesota Vikings. But for the most part, each quarterback and the running back specifically – regardless of the first string all the way through third string, they're protecting the football. This offense has done a really good job so far. And I love that. I love to see that. I think you and I talked about that before the first game, right? Is that we wanted to see the quarterbacks really just run and operate the offense efficiently and effectively, no turnovers. And of course that was really highly emphasized for Drew Locke because of last year, you know, he was among the league leaders, I think tied with Carson Wentz to lead the league in interceptions, which was, you know, a bummer to see. But at the same time, you know, you take those lumps, you learn and and you grow. And I think that we did see growth from, from Drew Locke in this game. I think that we saw, you know, some really good stuff from Teddy. I think the offense as a whole, you know, man, how, how much fun is Javante Williams, you know, just throwing guys off. And I I love that. (laughs) I love to see it. 
I love to see a pocket for the quarterback to throw from with the starting offensive line all out there, which, by the way, I thought Calvin Anderson did a pretty solid job at right tackle, some things to clean up, but there's that competition is also still very interesting. So I, I love it, man. I love watching. That's why I love the preseason. You get to look at the whole team. You know, we talk – all off season, every every single day through the dog days of May, June, July, we're talking about all these guys, and now we finally get to see them play and see how they work together, and see all these reports and things from camp coming out, and the offense in specific. I'm really really excited about. I think you got weapons all over the place in depth on the offensive line, which is a lot of fun to see. Not to mention that I mean, you were talking about the quarterbacks, running backs, Javante Williams, obviously being a fun guy to watch. But even Royce Freeman had a really good game against the Seahawks. But you know, when I go to the running backs here, the thing I want to point out, Sarah, is I thought both Javante Williams and Royce Freeman, I thought they did a phenomenal job yeah. in pass protection. Both guys picked up some hot blitzes, some free blitzes, some some guys coming off on the Teddy Bridgewater touchdown to KJ Handler. Royce Freeman did a great job picking up the weak side nickel blitzer and did a great job opening that space there. So love to see that defensively. Look, we talked about the offense not turning the ball over. We talked about the defense. What was one of our keys to the game? Forcing turnovers. The Broncos come out. They forced three turnovers. Justin Simmons has a great interception. I mean, the easiest interception he'll ever have in his career. <laughs> not sure why the quarterback even threw it his way. Deshaun Williams having a scoop recovery of a fumble, not to mention him having an interception. He had a really great game. We'll talk about him a little bit later, but the Broncos defense was stifling and they were able to get after the quarterback. They, they tallied three total sacks and we'll talk about a player that had two of those sacks in that game. Special teams though, Sarah, really quick, we'll touch on it. I, I felt like this was the one game so far that we've seen so far this preseason where they had a couple moments where they struggled. It kind of reminded me of a little bit of last year. Last week against the Vikings, it was not an issue. Special teams played really well. Mm -hmm. For the most part, outside of kickoff, I, I, I thought that they did a really good job. Now, the kickoff lanes, they failed to condense the alley because they kicked it to the right side of the field, and that left side didn't get there in time, or at least in the middle side of the field, of squeezing that lane down and allowed a big return. So something they have to brush up. But I want Broncos country to know, Sarah, these are a bunch of rookies, first-year to third-year players, and maybe a couple fourth-year guys that are really playing on special teams. they got to get it cleaned up, but special teams has been better than I anticipated. Yeah, you make a great point, and I think that they're obviously intentionally trying to get those guys those that work because we saw on the opening kickoff, McManus, he could have kicked it into the back of the end zone every time. So yes. they're trying to get those guys reps. I think, again, it's just having patience with the learning process. Like you mentioned, these are young guys, and so it's important to get them learning opportunities out there and teach you you a lot of times we know you know you fail forward i think that that's yep. lost on so many sports fans it's like man if you've been if you've been in any arena of life i'm preaching a little bit right now cody but fail forward it. you know if you fail at something go back watch the tape or do what you have to do and learn from it and get better so i think we we need to see that especially based on the last couple years Nobody is more, well, I can't say nobody, but Tom McMahon is definitely a goat in Broncos country and not in the, not in the good goat way. You know, he's kind of somebody that people like to pick on. He's somebody that people talk about, yeah. you know, why is he still even on the coaching staff? So I think that for him, you know, this is a coaching opportunity. You know, you've got to get these guys ready. And that has to be, in my opinion, one of the most improved units, because we also saw a punt that was partially blocked of Sam Martin. I know he had, yep. I know he had at least one block last year and, and a couple more that were really close. And so I, that, that to me is the one thing that I absolutely hate more, almost more than kick and punt coverage. I can't yeah. stand it when punts are blocked. So <laughs> yep. you got to get that cleaned up, but at the same time, again, fail forward, figure it out, learn from it and 
frankly, you know, he's kind of on the hot seat, so he's got no choice but to nothing, nothing to it but to do it, McMahon. So let's see it happen. Yeah, and Sarah and I, we're going to talk a little bit more about all the encompassing notes about the Broncos' victory against the Seahawks. We're going to dive into the quarterback competition for an entire segment coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, folks, let me tell you about the sponsor of today's episode of the show. It's our good friends over there, BetOnline.ag, and it's that time of the year again. Football season is back, and people are turning their televisions to watch football, even if it's preseason. We are all locked in. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for both college and pro football this upcoming season. You get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest Open now at betonline.ag. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo where you can make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl defending champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. You don't wait and take advantage of the great offers available for the 2021 NFL season all at BetOnline. Use promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, sir, let's get to the Broncos quarterback competition here because the thing that frustrates me the most about watching games live is that you don't get a chance to go back, rewind, and and see things under the microscope of the film. Everything that you see during a live game is instant reaction from people on Twitter. And the thing that I say would frustrate me the most, Sarah, and I don't know how you feel about this, but there's other members of the media that, you know, we're good friends with, we, you know, we appreciate, but it's like everybody, it seems like you can tell who wants who to win? And look, here's the reality. Look, if you're a Broncos fan, regardless if it's Drew or Teddy, you should be happy because those are the players that are probably going to be the best position to put this team in a position to get back to the playoffs or to win. And that's the coaching staff's decision. However, I think our job, Sarah, is to paint a picture as to maybe how both guys do, provide context to both the situations, looking at Teddy's you know drives that he had and Drew's. But I feel like a lot of it is slanted towards these narratives about which media members want which quarterback to be the guy. And I think the reality is we're doing a disservice to covering the team if we feel that way. So I have no personal dog in the race here. However, I do want to call it the way that it is. I think that going back to game one against the Vikings, Drew Locke had a fantastic game. No no questions about it. Teddy Bridgewater had a pretty solid game. You look at game two here against the Seattle Seahawks, Teddy Bridgewater had a pretty great game in my opinion. I thought he made some very impressive throws inside the pocket. He was able to stand up and manipulate a little bit when pressure was coming around. He still stayed steady. He didn't panic, and he delivered some nice throws, including a great throw over the top to Eric Sauber and a great fourth and five connection to Jerry Judy. Teddy was 9 of 11 for 105 yards and a touchdown. Great performance. Drew Locke, I thought he had a pretty solid performance regardless of the fact that he was sacked two times and two of those sacks, well, actually one of those sacks was a strip sack. The other fumble that people were going to put on Drew Locke was on a handoff where he got his foot stepped on by Austin Schlotman. And look, that's something mechanically Drew's going to have to fix in terms of his stance when under center. Sarah, in your opinion, what were your thoughts on the Broncos quarterback competition last night against the Seattle Seahawks? I don't know if I should say, Cody, because I don't want to get just absolutely <laughs> lit on fire here. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's it's interesting, isn't it? You know, you can put anything out there in instant reaction form and people will take it and they will completely turn it on its head. So I also thought that Teddy Bridgewater had a great game yesterday. I think just the initial eye test, you know, he really passed. And I think that, 
you can argue all you want to about whether or not Vic Fangio would have gone for these fourth down situations in games. I think other than maybe the fourth and five, which you would have had a legitimate gripe that, okay, if you're going to, if you're going to risk turning the ball over to say Russell Wilson, you may not go for that play right there. No, okay. So you definitely don't in the regular season. <laughs> right. Right. But the other two, I could, I would say the other two, I would have probably, I, I would go for that. You know, I think that there's some value in that. You look at percentages of those types of things and the likelihood that you're going to make those conversions. I think that's worth going for even passing on points just because you're passing on three to potentially get seven. So I think those other two fourth downs that he, that the offense was able to convert when he was out there, I think you do go for those, but otherwise we're talking about Teddy Bridgewater going three and out on his first drive and who knows, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of things. And so I think that he did a great job bouncing back when they did make that decision to go with the evaluation piece rather than the game situation piece. He made a great throw to Jerry Judy on that play. If not for Fangio's decision to go for it, we wouldn't have seen that. Um, and I, I, th- I do think that it's funny how how fickle or how you know how things can change just in a matter of seven days, right? After Drew Locke's performance against Minnesota, <laughs> Drew Locke is the starter. Oh my goodness, he played so great. That bomb to KJ Hamler, this, that, the other. Yeah. And then the second week, Teddy Bridgewater has a solid outing and actually I would say very, very good outing. Yeah. And and everyone's like, Oh, Teddy Bridgewater can't he's he must be the favorite at this point. Okay, so where where do we actually stand with anything, you know? And I don't think Drew Locke played bad enough to to lose the job, in my opinion. So I think Teddy Bridgewater is the kind of guy that an NFL coach on the hot seat might prefer. And I, I think that that's the best way to put it over Drew Locke, who is a little bit more erratic, you know, but definitely more of a playmaker. So I think that we saw, I think that we saw that last night, Cody. I think that we saw a little bit more of, you know, a little bit more of erratic Drew and like the weird mistakes that that happened that shouldn't happen, you know, and even though that he didn't throw any interceptions in, in two preseason games, I think that the fumbles are a bit of a bother. Um, and, and I think also to the fact that Teddy, he he has yet to get stopped. You know, if you're yeah. we're going forward on fourth down, he hasn't been stopped yet this preseason. They've scored every time that he has had the ball. So that's something that Drew can't say at this point. But at you know, you know my stance on this, Cody. I think that the long-term best option for the Broncos is to go with Drew Locke. However, you know, we're not we're not the ones that our jobs are on the line if we put yeah. Drew in the starting lineup. <laughs> so it's easier said than done. Well, and I just think that going back and forth too, I also think context is super important. You know, yes, Teddy against the Vikings. Look, the Broncos didn't go against any starters week one or week two of the NFL preseason. Seattle didn't play their starters. Minnesota didn't play their starters. And I think I still don't think that we have enough information right now, Sarah, to say, hey, let's call it for what it is. Let's call it now. Uh, there's things that Drew Locke can do, like throwing the 80-yard bombs to K.J. Hamler that necessarily Teddy Bridgewater can't do. I mean, Teddy had an attempt at a back shoulder probably his worst throw of the night, but for the most part, he did a really great job commanding the huddle. The Broncos ran the ball really well for the most part, too. A couple of times they got stopped on the interior, a couple of run-throughs, but that's stuff that can be cleaned up by going back on the film. There were things that stood out to me about Drew, and the thing I'm evaluating Drew on is some decision-making, right? And I feel like, for the most part, his decisions were pretty good last night for the Broncos in terms of where he was going with the ball. He also stood in the pocket, which there was a pressure you know, all around. His first play, there was a run-through, I think, at the left guard spot, not sure what it was uh, or if the right tackle had missed, but Drew Locke had a guy in his face right away. I can't blame Drew Locke for that. The second play, backside pressure, gets to him really quickly. I can't really blame him for that. Yes, hold on to the football. Tuck that bad boy in. You know, you just need to work some of these things out, and I think that the line did an okay job after that of giving Drew a little bit more time. 
but we saw Drew improvise as well, getting out of the pocket, a shovel pass to Seth Williams, which was an exciting play. If that was Patrick Mahomes, you know ESPN would have been going crazy about that. But that's a great play right there. There was a drive, too, specifically in that third quarter. We talked about a guy, and we're actually going to get into this a little bit. Drew had a great opportunity to convert a third and three, uh, a pass to Deontay Spencer. He drops it. I mean, that's a bummer. You always ask, you go back on the film, what if he would have caught that? What would have happened after that? Uh, but it doesn't matter at this point in time because it's all preseason. However, there is one game left, Sarah, one preseason game remaining. Vic Fangio mentioned his postgame presser that both of these quarterbacks, he believes, gives the Broncos a good chance to win. And so really it's going to be a tough decision. And that's good. I mean, that's as open as we've seen Vic Fangio. And he also mentioned that next week against the Rams, Von Miller is going to play, Melvin Gordon, and Cortland Sutton. So in my opinion here, Sarah, you can do what you can in practice. There's no training camp open to the public this week. I feel like you have to play these guys again. Now, look, I'm not saying play them a half. I think you give Drew Locke a series. I think you give Teddy Bridgewater a series. I think you give them both the series with the ones, and then you get them out, right? One series, that's it. And look, if you get two plays, that's it. But I think you need to see a little bit more before you make that decision. And, and I think that's really where it all boils down to in, in Broncos country. We're eager for your thoughts in the comment section down below here on YouTube. Make sure that you put it in the comment section who you believe should be the quarterback or if you believe that they should get another week. We're going to break it down all this week here, Lockdown Broncos. But ladies and gentlemen, coming up here in just a moment, Sarah and I, we're going to dive a little bit deeper in the Broncos win against the Seattle Seahawks. We're going to talk about some standout players and more. But before we do that, let me tell you about the two other sponsors of today's episode of the show. It's our good friends over there at Built Bar and RockAuto.com. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market today. The bars are healthy and they taste legitimately like a candy bar. They have nine amazing delicious flavors, including the occasional limited time flavor. I know myself, I'm a peanut butter brownie guy. I like salt to caramel. They even have mint brownie if you like mint and brownie. They also have grasshopper cookie, which is a combination of thin mint and fudge. I know my good friend Sarah has ordered a box of those himself, and I can't wait for his review as to what he thinks about Bilt Bar. But I rock with Bilt Bar every single day because the bars, they taste really great. They, you know, Like I said, I need a little bit of a boost getting out the door. Bilt Bar has me covered. 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and only 4 grams of sugar. That is tremendous value right there and I want you to get your hands on a box of Built Bar today by going to Built.com and when you go to checkout, use promo code LOCKED15 you're going to get 15% off your next order at Built.com. Once again, promo code LOCKED15 is going to get you 15% off your next order at Built.com and our good friends over there, RockAuto.com if you need anything for your vehicle, Rock Auto has everything. With the ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts that you need in a traditional chain storefront. That's why I rock with RockAuto.com because if I need anything for my vehicle, they will get it no matter the manufacturer no matter the brand they have it they deliver it directly to my doorstep and chances are they are always reliable no and chances are prices are always reliably low and they're the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers i don't have to spend three or four times as much at a local chain auto port store when i can just go to rockauto.com i'm patient enough to wait for them to deliver it directly to my doorstep rockauto.com is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years i've used them multiple times i vouch for them and i appreciate that their service is quick and if i have any questions they are quick to answer and get back to me within a couple of hours even if i send an email over the weekend that's why i rock with rockauto.com so Go explore their easy-to-use website and their catalog today. You can see all the parts available for your car or truck based on year, make, model, brand specifications, and even the prices that you prefer, all at rockauto.com. And write Lockdown Broncos in there. How did you hear about us, Box, so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. 
rockauto.com. All right, Sarah, let's get into the fourth quarter action of today's episode, Lockdown Broncos post-game recap. I had a chance to go back and watch the game, and I wanted to talk about some of the news and notes that kind of gets lost in the shuffle when we have to break everything down in a 30-minute time limit here. Uh, some injuries. The Broncos dealt with a couple of injuries. Obviously, Michael Ojemudia went down with a leg injury in yesterday's game in that third quarter, uh, and, and Vic Fangio said post-game. No ACL, and they don't believe it's going to be too serious. I had a chance to talk with Michael Ojemudia last night. He told me it is nothing serious. He is all good to go. So I'm very relieved, and I was just in my head watching that game. I was like, why is he still out there this late in the third quarter? I get he's cornerback five, but he is valuable to the team. We saw other guys step up to the table. So look, Sarah – Broncos dodged a bullet there with Michael Ojemudia and a potential serious injury. So I'm relieved about that. Yeah, me too, Cody. You know me, my Iowa guys. We, I, I gotta be, you know, <laughs> just extra cautious with my boys. But um, no, it is great and sweet breaking news, bro. I love that. I love it. Breaking some news, Michael Ojemudia, <laughs> and and it's great to hear because I was. You always get concerned. You always fear the worst when guys get carted off. So and I, yeah, you make a great point. Like, why was he playing? And and similarly. Why was Malik Reed playing? I know Andre Mintz, you know, has been dealing with yeah. an injury, but man, like, have we not had enough stress off the edge the past couple of years to not just get our guys? Let's just get our guys to the to the regular season. Put Tuska out there, put uh, Jonathan Cooper out there, and and forget Malik Reed playing into the third or fourth quarter of a preseason game at this point. That. He, that was a guy that, you know, just two years ago, Cody was put on ice for preseason week four. So I don't want to see Malik Reed out there even, you know, in addition to Michael Ojemudia, guys like that. There's plenty of other guys fighting for roster spots. So let those guys have have that time. Take off their pads or something. Put a hat on. Get a, get a bucket hat on the sideline for Malik Reed. He's, he deserves to be a bucket hat guy at this point. Man, he stood out on tape, man. But you mentioned a guy that stood out as well. Jonathan Cooper, second game in a row, Sarah. He had three tackles, two of them a tackle for loss. He had two sacks and a pass deflection. I mean, when I go back and I, I watch the game this morning, he stands out like a sore thumb. I mean, he is everywhere. And we goes, mm -hmm. goes back to that high motor trait of what we've heard. Man, I tell you what, he's locked up the outside linebacker four spot. I think that I'd be very shocked if that was not the case. Completely agree with that. I mean, you you, you wouldn't know. And I said this back in 2014 after watching all the draft picks play. I watched Shaquille Barrett play at Colorado State, and I was like, man, you wouldn't have any idea if somebody had just said, yeah, he was drafted higher than all but you know two of your picks. You would have had no idea based on the tape um, that he was undrafted. So for Jonathan Cooper, once again, here we are 2021, you would have no idea that anybody that's been drafted ahead of him based on what we've seen so far, other than Pat Sertan, was drafted ahead of him. You would think based on what he, we've seen from him in preseason, what we've been hearing from him in training camp, that Jonathan Cooper was a day two pick. And, and yeah. I think that that's not just, I don't think I'm just pumping up with fluff for him. I think that you know, we want to see these guys prove things. We talked about it on the show all throughout last week. Like if you're a pass rusher in the preseason, go make some plays, go get a strip sack, go get tackles for loss, go rack up the sacks. And what does Jonathan Cooper do? All of the above. He filled, he filled out the entire list, the entire bingo card. If you had a bingo card, Jonathan Cooper filled it out for you last night. So I, I love, love, love to see that from rookies who come in and they just they just ball out, man. He, and he was doing what he did best at Ohio State. And you've mentioned to it, hustle, effort, intensity, 
just a high motor guy. That's exactly what you want to see from a rookie in a preseason game. And that's exactly what he brought to the table. And it's exactly why he's going to be playing, not just on the roster, but playing, I think, in the regular season. Well, I think he solidified that outside linebacker four spot. But look, I even think Derek Tuska had a pretty good game for the Broncos himself. He also had some high energy motor plays there. But the reality is, will the Broncos keep five outside backers? I don't think that they do. I think Tuska maybe makes it to the practice squad this year for the Broncos. Uh, but with a guy like Cooper, I mean, you cannot at this point with what he's put on tape, you can't risk cutting a guy like Jonathan Cooper and hoping to claim him off waivers. The Broncos did that last year with Justin Hollins, and then they lost him to the L.A. Rams. And so you can't do that with Cooper. In my opinion, Cooper has made the 53. We have roster cuts coming up this week, 85 to 80. We'll have you covered here, Lockdown Broncos, as to who we think that may be. And when it happens, we'll obviously talk about the impact, how it impacts that position in general and the depth. But, Sarah, let's talk about another guy real quick before we get into some players that kind of let us down a little bit or, you know, we we needed a bigger game and didn't get it from. Deshaun Williams. Once again, standing out. The Broncos' first team defense played fun, you know, played pretty dang good against the Seahawks. Tyler Lockett played inside the slot, but but for the most part, the second string defense came in. They carried that same energy, and it was really backed up by guys like Jonathan Cooper, Deshaun Williams, who had a fumble recovery off of a Jonathan Cooper strip sack, not mm-hmm. to mention an interception off of a deflected Jonathan Cooper bat at the line of scrimmage. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better situation for a guy like Deshaun Williams. And I love to see that. I, I think that, you know, if you're Shelby Harris, you're thinking, man, some of my batted passes might start turning into interceptions the more Deshaun Williams plays because the guy is an acrobat out there. He's just flying. He's like, he's almost completely horizontal out yeah. there going after these interceptions. I know the one that he had last year during the regular season was a freakish play for, you know, for a 300 pound dude. So, I, I I love it, man. I absolutely love it. This is what pre this what makes preseason so much fun. Deshaun Williams, a guy that's bounced around the league, was an afterthought, even by the Denver Broncos, frankly. I mean, they brought him in. They obviously saw something in him, but they brought him in how many times before actually giving him a shot to play in the regular season? And then he did so well last year. Now he's going to be a key figure this season as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if he was kind of, you know, one of the first two guys off the off the bench, so to speak. I know they don't sit on a bench in football, really, but one of the first two guys off the bench with uh, Shamar Stefan out there. And and obviously McTelvin Aguim is going to factor in. But what a great play by him and what a great night. I think he even said after the game, you know, uh, as he was doing the postgame interview, I think he even said Shelby Harris kind of gave him the uh, – the crown of best hands on the team just in a crazy way but because that's shelby's thing man for sure i I like what we saw from deshaun williams i think the depth is really good now real quick let's touch on before we get off here on today's episode lockdown broncos and your favorite podcasting provider broncos country Uh, a guy who you know we kind of challenged this week deontay spencer made his return he had a great catch on third down on the two-minute drill from drew lock you love that then he had a great kick return to open things up in the second half and then all of a sudden we, we saw a third down drop, right? A critical third down drop on a really good drive that the Broncos had. Drew Locke was opening things up. It was third and three and just an easy drop. Stuff like that. So it's like you're going to take the good, but then there's the stuff that you say, okay, you know, is this why he's not as much in the offensive rotation? In your opinion, who kind of disappointed you a little bit? And we'll, we'll get out of here. You know, I think that the backup offensive line was a bit disappointing last night, just as a whole. You know, we saw immediately Drew Locke comes in with the backup offensive line and immediately 
sacked twice. So yeah. whether it was miscommunication or whether they just got bullied out there, I know the Seahawks didn't necessarily have their starters out there, but I did hear Daryl Taylor's number call. He's a former high draft pick. So it wasn't like they were going up against scrubs or anything, but I think you honestly, you expect those guys after what we saw last week against the Vikings, you expect those guys to come out there and be a, a bit better than that. I would say. So I think that that was, it was disappointing as a whole to see them come out there. And, and I don't think, I know Royce Freeman had a solid game. I don't think that the running lanes for the second and third guys were quite as open this week. You know, it didn't seem yeah. that way anyway. It seemed like the running game struggled when the when the starting offense kind of left the field. And that wasn't necessarily due to just the backs. You know, it seemed like every back was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. And even the play where Drew Locke, you know, got his foot stepped on, which another knock against the backup offensive line. You know, when on the play where Drew Locke got his foot stepped on, it looked like if they were actually trying to run the ball, well, that play was going to get busted up. But I did see guys running routes on the other side. I think he was going to do a, a boot on that play. So at, at any rate, the backup offensive line, to me, a big disappointment last night. Now they're going to have to bounce back this week. Obviously, the Broncos are going to have to cut down the roster here in a couple of days. They're back at practice Monday through Thursday, and they're going to have a walk through Friday and then a home preseason game against the Los Angeles Rams. Sarah and I will have an immediate postgame report for you here on the Lockdown Broncos podcast. We'll keep you up to date all week long with what's going on in Denver, all things orange and blue, and you get that here exclusively, Lockdown Broncos. But Broncos country, thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the show. That'll do it. We'll see you tomorrow. And uh, once again, Broncos country, things on the up and up. A lot of good things to take away from the Broncos 2-0 so far in the preseason.